Well, last week, uh, the curtain rose on 2022, a new year, and we began the year by looking at where the curtain rises on the whole biblical story, Genesis. We talked about how we often bring language and worldview and context to Genesis, looking for answers that Genesis simply wasn't designed to provide. But what the first few pages of Genesis do provide us is amazing, amazing. As the curtain rises, Genesis says, this is... This is God, a loving creator who brings about order and beauty from chaos, speaking, being personally present, naming the creation and delighting in it, a God worthy of worship and trust, the answer, a God who is the answer to the question, who can I trust to make sense of this place? Who can I trust to make sense of this place? But the opening pages of Genesis also introduce the answer to another very big question, and that's this. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? Today we start exploring how Genesis says, this is us. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there that it would grow us and transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Reading this morning from Genesis, the end of chapter 1, beginning with verse 26, and then uh, chapter 2, verse 16. uh, Excuse me, verse 15. Listen now for God's word. Then God said, Let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food. To all wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he had made. It was supremely good. It was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And then from chapter 2, the Lord took the human and settled him in the Garden of Eden to farm it and to take care of it. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, if you lived in the ancient world, chances are you would have been very well aware of two things, kings and idols. Kings and idols. You likely had a king or possibly a queen who ruled over you and exercised authority Many of these rulers actually declared that they were gods and would even call themselves image of God because they saw themselves as somehow ruling on the gods' behalf, which of course meant they could tell people what to do, command that things be made, uh, make the rules, define what's good and what's bad. 
Often, kings would even have representative statues or images made of themselves. In Hebrew, these were called salem, which is most often translated as idols or images. But you were probably also aware of images, portraits, statues, idols made as a representation of a particular god or deity. Images or idols might be placed in a temple somewhere or in another sacred place uh, where gods and humans were supposed to somehow connect. The image or idol was supposed to be a reflection or, or tangible expression of the deity. It's not as though the statue or the idol was the actual deity. Rather, it was meant to be an image. It stood in its place, mediating the God's presence. Now, of course, Israel is very different and unique in this regard in the ancient world. As God's people, they were, of course, instructed by God not to worship idols or construct any idols. They also did not view their kings as the God. In fact, in Numbers 33, the Israelites are told to destroy all the images or the salem of the people who lived in the land that they were entering. Why? Well, for one, an all-powerful creator, an all-loving God could not be reduced to a created thing like a statue. But also, people are not to create images of God because God has already made images of God's self. Human beings. God has already made images of God's self. Human beings. This is what Genesis tells us. A creator God created a a beautiful world capable of great beauty and order and, and potential. God speaks and creation responds and obeys. God delights in it. God names it. God alone, in other words, is ruler of the creation that God made. And then Genesis, in a, in a bold and, and downright revolutionary claim for the day, Genesis says that at the pinnacle of all this creative work, God makes human beings in God's image. All human beings are made in the image of God. Not just rulers and kings, not just a set-apart class of people. All human beings. In other words, Genesis democratizes this idea. So the opening pages invite us to imagine that human beings are sacred images in God's sacred temple. God creating the heavens and the earth is like God creating a temple in which to live. When God says, let us make human beings in our image, in our salem, this is God placing human beings in God's earthly temple to function as an image or an idol would in a human-constructed temple, to mirror God to the world so that everyone, all creation, could see and sense God's power and God's presence and offer worship in return. So humans, all together and individually, are supposed to somehow reflect like a mirror who God is. Listen again. Let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and master it, 
take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. So when God creates human beings in God's image, God has a purpose in mind. For many, the the idea of being made in the image of God seems to convey something visual. So it's pretty natural for us to look at ourselves and at each other and think, oh, image of God is some physical characteristic, and then somehow we might try try to trace that back to God. Or we might think it refers primarily to our rational faculties, right, that Human beings are more intelligent than other animals. That sets us apart um, from the rest of creation. But neither are really what Genesis is getting at. When Genesis says, this is us, there is a vocation, a vocation attached to what it means to be made in God's image and thus what it means to be human. For one, God gives all human beings the capacity and authority to rule. You can see this ruling language. Take charge of the fish, birds, livestock, crawling things. Fill the earth and master it. Now we need to be very careful here because it's easy to take this idea um, of ruling and pervert it into a kind of oppressive or selfish or exploitative kind of of rule. I mean, human beings, because of what comes just one chapter later in Genesis 3, have often abused that authority and that divine vocation when it comes to God's creation and our being made in the image of God. But if we're made in God's image, and part of that means ruling or being little kings and queens on behalf of God, then we can't forget to look to how God actually relates to what God has made, how God rules. When we do that, it's clear that appreciation and enjoyment and creating conditions for flourishing characterize God's dominion, right? I mean, that should be be the standard by which our vocation to rule on God's behalf is measured. When God makes living things, which we read last week and this week, God blesses them. God creates them so that they can multiply and be fruitful and generate more life and have more creative potential. So our capacity to rule and authority to rule on God's behalf as image bearers must be informed by that prior blessing of the creatures. In other words, our rule cannot undo the blessing to be fruitful and multiply. No, our rule on God's behalf should help continue that blessing and that fruitfulness for all that God has made. Right? So we have to submit to, to God's vision and dream for the world. Old Testament scholar Ellen Davis prefers to describe the ruling vocation given to human beings made in God's image as exercising skilled mastery. Exercising skilled mastery. That means caregiving, nurturing. The truth is, each of us as image bearers has, have spheres of influence, and power, places where our rule, our, our influence makes a difference, whether we realize it or not. Our homes, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our towns. The question is, are we, are we using our capacity to nurture and care, to ensure that all God's creation from people to plants have the ability to be fruitful and flourish? Are we selfish tyrants or gardeners? 
Maybe that's a helpful picture of what it means to rule on God's behalf, to be a gardener. It's pretty faithful to Genesis. We rule by cultivating. The text says, God blessed them and said, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's a huge part of what it means to be image bearers. We are called to share, we're invited to share in God's creative power. Pretty quickly, it's clear in Genesis that God is not the only one who will exercise creative power. God wants to share it with humans. In effect, we're called to be co-creators with God, partnering with our Creator as God's image bearers to help bring about more order and more beauty and life by, by harnessing all the potential that's around us. And that's what happens with a garden, isn't it? I'm not a master gardener by any stretch, but I know enough to know that when I garden, I harness the potential of the ground and its nutrients by tilling it. I take the creative power of a seed or a sapling and place it in the ground. I care for it. I tend it through watering and weeding so that plants and flowers and vegetables can emerge. So it's, it's life and potential for life bringing about more life with creative care and stewardship from the gardener. I mean, think about it. To, to have the, the creative power to bring about another human life is an incredible thing. To, to have the creative power to cultivate, to steward what God has created, to bring about more beauty and fruitfulness, is a powerful thing. In the creation story, God's creation is, is going somewhere, and human beings are a part of it going somewhere. It's a dynamic garden to be tended. It's, it's not a painting. Is it any wonder that in chapter 2, God places human beings where? In a garden. In a garden and says, tend it and watch over it. Part of what it means to be human, part of what it means to be made in God's image is to help harness the potential all around us, just like a garden, to bring along the world to its fullest creative potential. We get to work with God to make this place where we live as amazing as possible, to take what God has given us and to help make something beautiful with it, creating families and neighborhoods and communities and churches where people live, work, play, care for each other. We are gardeners, cultivators of life. And this is a sacred task, friends. This is us, made in God's image. And this has huge implications. Huge implications. It matters in how we view ourselves and others. It matters in how we choose to live our lives. It should undergird our concern for the planet and our fight against racism, sexism, homophobia. It, it means humans are not an accident. Humans were not some afterthought for God. You and I, every human that has ever lived and will ever live, occupies a special and unique place within God's creative design. This means all people 
all people have innate dignity and sacred worth and purpose written on our hearts and souls. God's creative fingerprints rest on each and every person without restriction. Black and white, rich and poor, queer and straight, documented and undocumented, educated and uneducated, blue-collar, white-collar, non-disabled, disabled, powerful, oppressed, liberal, conservative, all people equally bear the image of God and therefore possess inherent value with something to offer and contribute to the furthering of God's project. You and I have a purpose. Each person individually, all of us collectively, reveals something unique about who God is. No single person or group can do this, can do it all. Each person individually, us collectively, no matter where we are, no matter what we do, in life, have a sphere that we are called to tend and to cultivate, to bring about more beauty and flourishing for everything that God has made. It means people matter. It means the world, the natural world around us matters. You know, as we come up on two years of this pandemic, I thought a lot this week about how COVID has really revealed so much about what it means to be human. (laughs) Think about it. As weeks have turned into months, have turned into years with COVID, it has shown us just how how incredibly vulnerable we are (laughs) on our planet. Human life is fragile. I mean, a a microscopic virus has practically dismantled our lives in society. On the other hand, it's shown us just how powerful, how innovative, how creative, how brave, how compassionate, how loving humans can be as people made in God's image. From the witness of of healthcare workers who go to work and risk their own safety, to neighbors who pitch in together to buy groceries for, for the neighbor who can't, who, who can't get out of their house, to the incredibly brilliant and creative scientists and doctors who have created therapies and vaccines to treat and prevent and mitigate this virus. We really are made in God's image. Friends, we were made to create and cultivate life in the world. We were made to rule and steward the world on God's behalf with the love and wisdom of God. And and while we don't always do this well or right, nevertheless, this is our purpose. And you know what? It makes the story of Jesus that much more amazing because Jesus was the exact image of God, the perfect image image of God. And through his death and resurrection, he restores that divine image in each one of us. And gives us the example, the living, breathing example of what the opening pages of Genesis introduce. This is us. This is what it means to be human. 
We are made in the image of God, of sacred worth, made for a purpose, little kings and queens, ruling on God's behalf, gardeners, taking what God has has made and entrusted to us and doing amazing things with it to bring about more beauty and more life and more flourishing. A mirror reflecting God in unique ways. The question is, the question is, are we exercising our rule, our creativity, our representative existence in such a way as to point to God, to bring about more beauty, more flourishing of creation, more potential? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.